Well, the title of my message this morning is called Bursting. And we're going to come to this word a little bit during this talk uh, because it's a, a word that describes what it is that Paul is feeling during this time of writing this letter to the, to the uh, Thessalonian church. So for now, let me lead us in prayer as we open up God's word. Father, we thank you that as we look into this letter that Paul wrote to the Thessalonian church, we find story after story of what looks like our own lives being caught up there. It seems that there are so many things in common that the Christian experience brings to people, uh, be it 2,000 years ago or today in 2019. So I pray, Lord, that you open the hearts of our understanding to you, and may you continue to do that transforming work in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, last week when we finished our talk, we uh, looked at this verse here. It says, For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. What we're going to find today is Paul is going to be reflecting upon his purpose. And uh, he's saying to this Thessalonian church, this young church, that he's poured his life out for the sake of Jesus, so that these folks can be mature, fully focused, and understanding their purpose and their place in the body of Christ. This young church, and Paul is saying, for all the things that I do in my life, you are the greatest example of everything that I am about. And uh, I think for Michaela and I, um, we got a little taste of this last Monday night. Last Monday night, uh, we were invited kindly by Tom and Aileen Fruit to come around for a meal. And uh, Tom and Aileen are in their late 80s now, and uh, we had a, a lovely time with them. But as we sat down after dinner, uh, Tom and Aileen started asking questions about the folks who were in the church before Michaela and I came 24 years ago. So Tom and Aileen were the founding pastors of Bethlehem Baptist Church. And, um, and so here they were, essentially doing what Paul is describing here, when he's asking questions about people who we have known and, and he has shared his life with mutually. And so he's asking questions, how's so-and-so doing? Oh, yeah, you know, they're doing well. Oh, how's so-and-so doing? Oh, no, they're living overseas now. Oh, really? Oh, I remember when they came to the Lord. And Paul would talk about these times when significant things happen in people's lives. And so for Michaela and I, we sort of after dinner there, we had a couple of hours of reflecting upon what it is that we both want our lives to count for, and that is lives being transformed under the power of God. And so for us to be there, it's a little bit like I suspect Paul was when he was thinking, teaching, ministering, encouraging others to say, look, my life poured out is worth it when I see lives being transformed and changed. So we're getting to now the end of chapter three, and we're finally getting to the end of Paul's introduction. Okay, so three chapters here of Paul introducing himself to the Thessalonian church by virtue of reminding them of the story of what they have shared together. And in every sense, in every sense of the word, what Paul has done is similar to what we would do in a, in a Maori situation going on to a Maori. It's like a porphyry, where I remind those who are receiving me of who I am, of the common story that we share together, of the people that we know in common. And so this is a very familiar pattern even here in the Middle East where we understand each other because of the history that we share. And so Paul now pushes on and he says this, 
So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. This is Paul talking about uh, their time of waiting, waiting to understand or to hear what was happening with this little church in Thessalonica. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker, in God's service and spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. So what's happening here is uh, we know that Paul and Timothy and others were kicked out of Thessalonica after only about four weeks of sharing the gospel with this group who didn't know anything about Jesus. And the church had been born, but it was almost like a premature birth in as much as the child was going to be very, very vulnerable. And so Paul is taken away, uh, essentially persecuted and run out of town. And now he's saying, so when we could stand it no longer, in other words, they needed to know news of what had been going on with this young church. And quite literally, those words there mean, when we could stand it no longer, what Paul is literally saying is, we were bursting. We were bursting to know what it is that you were experiencing, what it is that you were doing with this newfound faith. And so something had to give. And finally, he says to Timothy, his young protege, he says, you go, you go. You go and find out what's happening in Thessalonica. You're a young guy. You can sneak into town maybe and not be recognized. So this is what Paul is all about. He's anxious about this, this young church. And uh, Paul and Timothy are a, um, are regular appearances in the gospel. They're a bit like a truck and trailer unit. They sort of got around together. And uh, wherever Paul went, Timothy went, okay, until such a time as Timothy was established in a church to pastor of his own. But Paul and Timothy were like a father and a son. Timothy's background is that his father was Greek and his mother was Jewish, quite unusual in itself, really. But uh, there's every sense that Paul raised him as a, as a Christian father, the, 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 the upbringing that that Timothy didn't have as a child. And yet here he is very, very close to Paul and he's been sent now to Thessalonica to be able to find out what is going on in this church. So Paul says this, we sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service in spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials for you know quite well that we are destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that you would be persecuted, and it turned out that way, as you well know. As you well know. Well, we talk a lot about destiny. In fact, Rob just mentioned it in his uh, communion talk this morning when he said about Jesus coming into Jerusalem, and he, he had his eyes upon the cross. That was his, his destiny. Uh, but that second to last line there, you see in the middle, it says that word destined. And when we think of the word destined, we think of destiny and we think of inheritance and we think of what it is that we've got to look forward to. Paul was very honest with this group of people by saying, uh, in fact, sorry, by saying, for you know quite well that we were destined for them. What is he talking about? What's the them? Unsettled times of trial, persecution. So Paul is telling this young church that just like they experience persecution, that they should also expect persecution. In fact, you were destined for it. Wow. 
That sounds a bit dramatic, doesn't it? You were destined to no persecution. And so what we're seeing here is Paul taking a very, very deliberate stand with his people saying, listen, don't none of this soft candy floss type Christian faith that's going on you know, in your life, you by standing for, for the person of Jesus, you are going to know trouble. And so get used to it and work it through. But it's the same trouble that Paul thought was going to be the very thorn in the flesh that was going to destroy this church. He thought, are they, are they old enough? Are they mature enough? Do they have enough background understanding? Do they have enough love and support amongst themselves to withstand what is going to be a beating, a battering, a weathering of their faith? And I think that's true for all of us. I know when um, I see someone come to know the Lord, the big challenge, the big question is, will that faith survive? Will it, will it last? And so here we find the very reason that uh, Paul has been writing to this Thessalonian church is to be able to understand whether they are surviving or not, whether this church has made it or not. Is Timothy going to turn up at Thessalonica and find that the church has just scattered, dissolved, disappeared? It's a big question. And in the day, no one would have really known what it is that was taking place. You see, they didn't have the means of communication that we have today, so you literally had to go to find out to get your questions answered. So this is Paul's reason. And so Paul says, for this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might have been in vain. This is the reason why Paul writes this letter, to tell them of his struggle, to understand and to know what it is that Paul, uh, sorry, what it is that the Thessalonian um, church is going through. Now, we live in a, in a world of modern means of communication. You can just uh, zoom into anybody, anywhere with your cell phone, right? We're all used to that. Uh, the likes of phone calls, texting, FaceTime, all that good stuff. But in this day, there was this period of silence, a really long silence. And we actually don't have these silences very often these days, do we? I was thinking about it. You know, what is it that happens these days where there's silence and anxiety all at the same time, this waiting and wanting to know? Um, and I was, my mind went to the likes of the, the space shuttle program. When the space shuttle or those Apollo missions re-entered the Earth's atmosphere, they have a period of radio silence for anywhere up to six to seven minutes, depending on the angle of re-entry. And uh, this is a really, really tense and anxious time for for Houston, for control, NASA control, when because of the atmosphere that they're burning through literally at 3,500 miles an hour, that's a mile every second, okay, it's a mile every second, um, there's no radio contact. So mission control just sits and waits, and there's silence in the room. And then finally there's a crackle on the radio. Yes, yes, we're here, we're still here. We've made it through re-entry. Now, they worry because there's been times when that hasn't happened and spacecraft have burnt up. But this anxiety, and you can imagine Paul in that same place. Uh, in the same sense, I, I remember about nine years ago, um, our, our son Taylor was in the army and he was doing his four months basic training. And right at the very end of the basic training, they had to go on an exercise called Final Challenge. It was the Final Challenge. 
okay? And uh, they were away for 10 days, and they got told that not all of them would make it back as soldiers. Some of them would be kicked out. So we talked to Taylor on the phone. Okay, mate, you're good. We'll be praying for you. Okay, thanks, Dad. Thanks, Mum. And off he goes. And so for 10 days, we haven't got a clue what's happening. We sort of figured no news is good news because he hasn't broken anything. Um, and then finally the phone goes, and we answer it, and he says, yeah, I made it. I got through. Oh, congratulations. Only 50% of the people who entered into that training made it through. And so here is Paul feeling this anxiety about this church that he's poured his life into, risked his life, in fact, and understandably, he wants to know what's going on. One of the parables from Jesus' ministry talks about the same thing. And I'm going to refer to that this morning. It's a, it's a parable that's in uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, we find it in Mark this morning. It's the parable of the sower. Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell on the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, what happens in the story is the disciples challenge Jesus and say, we don't really understand what's going on here. And Jesus explains it to them. He talks about the seed that's scattered, and some of it just gets taken away by the birds of the year. And he refers to that as the spiritual battle we're in, because sometimes Satan just takes that word away and never finds root. For others, uh, the this, this, this seed is planted so shallowly, shallowly, that's a good word, so, so thinly that uh, it quickly dries up in the shallow, water, uh, shallow dirt without any water in it and dies. And then there's the, the seed that grows, it grows well, but then it gets choked out by the concerns and the worries of the world. And finally, there's some that grows and produces a great crop. You know, when I was first a Christian, I'd read this parable. I would get on my knees literally and I'd pray, God, please, don't let the tempter get me. Don't let the tempter get me. Don't let my roots be shallow. And Lord, in my life ahead, don't let the things of this world choke me. Don't let them suffocate me and cause me to die. I want to be 30, 60, 100 fold. That's what my prayer, and it went on and on. And somewhere in the midst of this prayer, something changed. And, and, and I look at this parable in a different way now. I'm saying, Lord, let me... Let me help the seed grow. Let me cast the seed in a way that allows for, to be deep-rooted and for that seed to grow and we can see fruitfulness coming out of the seed that's sown. Yeah? Some of you have been through that transition too. And sometimes we need to duck in and out of it, don't we? You know, we look around our, our lives and we go, oh, they're so busy, they're so cluttered. I, I need to clear out some of these weeds that are choking me. Does that, does that sound like us? The weeds that are choking us? The distractions, the toys, the shiny things, the things we must do that are on our, on our bucket list? 
What's on Paul's bucket list, I wonder? Get to that city, get to that city, get to that city. More mission, more people for Jesus. This is what is driving him. This is what is filling his life. And now it says, Paul says this. He says, but Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He's told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. Isn't that amazing? And you get an insight into Paul's heart here when he, when he uses these words, for now we really live. In other words, he had a half-life while he worried about whether the seed that he had planted in the Thessalonican town had actually produced any fruit at all. And he knew that his purpose was to sow and to sow generously and to sow meaningfully and to sow with bravery, in this case, in the face of persecution. And we see that he now, he says, he really, really lives. Seeing that people's faith have come, has come to maturity. And that's what the conversation was with Tom and Aileen on Monday night. What they were saying was essentially this. For now we really live because we have seen that the seed that was planted all those years ago continues to bear good fruit. Isn't it outstanding? And we want to be able to see this in our friends. We want to see this in our family. We want to see this in children. We want to see this in those that we, that we influence. For now we really live. The gospel was enough for Paul to live for the gospel, to share the gospel, to see Christ being formed in others caused him to have a full life, a full life that wasn't filled with extra things. Uh, again, during the week, I, um, I spent a bit of time with a woman who's well known to many of us. It's Robin Chester. Robin and Monica have spent a long time, a, a decade and a half, leading serious coffee together. And a couple of years back, Robin got a really hard, hard diagnosis, a heavy diagnosis with respect to cancer. And uh, she's under this cloud now of what her life will look like. And I was sitting with her and we were just talking about what it means to be living with cancer. And, uh, and she stopped in the middle of that conversation and she says, Craig, of all the things that I want to be healed of most... She said, there's one thing above all that I want to be healed of, and that's to be healed of discontent. To be healed of discontent. And it sort of took my breath away. Say, hey, hey, hold on. You got cancer in a bad way. Don't you want to be healed of that? She says, well, it doesn't really matter compared to just the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Does that make sense? She said, God will see me through whatever I'm going to go through. But I'd just love to be in that place where I'm healed of discontent. I'm like, wow, that's so cool. What a blessing just to hear those words and that challenge. Healed of discontent. Wouldn't it be so cool? The 10th commandment, fully formed. Thou shalt not covet. 
Tenth Commandment fully formed in each one of us so we don't have to worry about things about the future in the way that we're told we shouldn't, but we do. But for Paul, when he realized that this Thessalonian church was now fully formed and growing, he was filled with contentment for his life had purpose. That's what he lived for. So Paul says this, for now we really live. Since you're standing firm in the Lord, how can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. We just had a couple of young guys up here talking about Easter camp. Okay, Easter camp. Same thing pours out of them, that we would take them to an Easter camp. Why do they want to take them to an Easter camp? Because I can't wait to give them bad food. I can't wait for them to have sleepless nights. I can't wait for them to have no showers over four days. Smell bad. Is that right, Ben? Is that where you go to Easter camp? Yeah, that's it, bro. Yeah. Well, that's what everybody puts up with, because we can't wait for Jesus to be formed in people's lives. We can't wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon people with conviction as they understand this transaction that has taken place for them, that Jesus died on the cross for them, forgiving their sins, right? And they go, wow, I am God's child. I have been forgiven. I can live a transformed life. I can find the power to know forgiveness and to be able to turn my life from what it is to what it can be for what God originally designed for me to be able to fulfill. This is what fills Paul's life with meaning. And I know for you know, our team here, we, we live and we, we believe and we pray for. And when we're sitting around the coffee cups even here during the week, we'll talk about all of you, like our children in some sense. Now, I'm not that old, but, you know, we, we long to see lives transformed. and healed of discontent. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. And may he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. For all his, with all his holy ones. And, and it's the sense in which here Paul has wrapped up this, this letter. It's almost like it finishes here, doesn't it? You know, we're, we're only halfway through, literally, but it's like Paul has just poured out his heart and said, Look, the reason why I wanted to know so desperately to the point of bursting is because my whole life is dedicated to this purpose of seeing Christ formed in your life. And now Timothy has come and he's brought a great report back. You love each other. You love the Lord. God is doing good things in you. Now I'm wanting to go and visit you. I'm trying to work any way I can to try to find a way to visit you again so I can enjoy what it is that God is doing in you and build up your faith again. Strengthen your faith some more so that you can withstand the challenges that you are going to face. For some of you in this place today, you need to make that first decision. 
that first decision to step across the line and to invite Christ into your life. There's a whole world of transformation that awaits you. And it begins at the cross, where you acknowledge that Christ died for you, for your sin. He died for what separates you from a holy God. And that transaction is something that most of us here have taken hold of. We have given up and given over our lives to Christ and have received a new life. Literally, as the scriptures say, being born again. A new life, a transformed life, a forgiven life that we might become all that God has wanted for us. And the choice is yours. It's not something anybody can do for you. They can't make it for you. If your, if your parents baptized you when you were a child, that didn't make it your choice. It made it your parents' choice. The gospel is about freedom, the freedom to make a choice to follow God and to accept what Christ has done. And like Paul, I'm bursting. I'm bursting for that purpose. And like many of us here, we're bursting for family. We're bursting for our neighbours. We're bursting for our friends, aren't we? Just praying and believing that Christ will be fully formed in somebody we know and somebody we love. Let's stand for prayer. God, there are times when I just wish I could control the world. <laughs> we all have these thoughts where we could just simply plant that seed of revelation in every soul on planet Earth to allow that seed of faith to be established in somebody's life that it would grow to bring people to maturity in Christ. We've all had this thought, Lord. We've all had it for those who surround us, those who we care for, those who care for us, that they would know Christ and the fullness of all that that means to be uh, found in him, to know his forgiveness. So Lord, we, we just want to pray today. We think of people in our minds now, uh, friends and family, people we love, people we care for, people whose paths we've crossed. And we, like Paul, just burst or want to burst for the sake of them knowing you. So Lord, we enter into this sort of place where Paul is, a desire to see the gospel shared, a place where he is content with nothing else but Jesus, a place where he can let go the things of the world. And, and so Lord, we, we wrestle with this, the persecution, the challenge, sometimes just that shrug of indifference as people shake us off with our Christian faith. But Lord, we, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you for the gospel born in us. We, we believe for it, Lord, to be 30, 60, 100 fold. We stand against the choking, the choking weeds of this world that would, would uh, surround us and just uh, obscure the cross and make Jesus just another part of our busy lives. Lord, we, we stand against that and we, we repent of that. And we repent of that shallow rootedness, Lord, where we haven't taken that time to 
to build that soil around our roots. We haven't invested in, in prayer and scripture reading and fellowship and, and we're, we're, we're struggling because it can get hot out there and we can die quickly. So God, we, we come before you refreshed today and we just ask, Lord God, that you meet us where we're at and help us, Father. Help us, Father, to be at that place of bursting where you are enough. We ask this in Jesus' name.